Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. We're debating the color in our background on the YouTube video. This podcast is available on YouTube as well as all the podcast uh Players? Apps? Players? Yeah, yeah, whatever you use. Uh, we thank you for listening. We thank you for being here. This is the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Yes, with our, if you're watching this on YouTube, our fancy new logo. I'm very excited. I got a, a cricket vinyl cutter thing and it's been, it's been a fun weekend for me. This is like the rest week. I'm so proud of myself. I got the cricket right before my big race and I managed to like hold off on any projects until after the race. Okay. Uh, which was my downfall, which is like traditionally my downfall is like the race week. And we're going to get into race week later you know, in this episode. But my issue is always like during race week, I start kind of like thinking to after the race and like all of the things that I want to do, which is usually projects around the house and right. that kind of thing. Right. Uh, so this time I managed to be like, I had them in mind, but I kept calm about them. Okay. Uh, and yeah, so we went through a rest week this last week and we both sort of took that off. Some of that's forced after these big running events, but also it was sort of the weather's sort of going, it is November. So it is sort of time to take a break. Although there was actually like a beautiful day where I got out on the paddle board. So really yeah. kind of odd weather, but neither here nor there. Yeah. Rest week, which has been really nice. I will admit, uh, you know, I did the 75 K, uh, I guess just over a week ago now, and my hamstring is actually still pretty tweaked from it. So trying to be smart about that as we're heading into, you know, it's the off season, it's 290 days until my big race of next year, uh, which by the way, if you have a big race like that, that you're like kind of constantly thinking about highly recommend the countdown app okay, this uh, is for your awesome. iPhone. Okay. Uh, free app and it lets you put a widget on your home screen. So I actually have like a widget that has the countdown to Leadville going, uh, which is nice. You kind of stop seeing it after a while. Like it just kind of blends in, but it is a good reminder every once in a while, especially when someone at, like you asked me how many weeks were till Leadville the next year. And I'm right. like, oh, it's uh, like 40, 45 or whatever it is. Yeah. And maybe that's scary. And maybe that also gives some patience too. It's, you know, it's, it's a lot of blocks there. Sometimes I'll go on a line sheet of paper and start to do like four week blocks for every month. And it's a lot still till that. Um, we always it think. Is, it isn't though. Uh, we will include the link in the show notes. My personal favorite post is uh, there's always less time than you think, or less, less chance to do the long runs, long rides before your goal race. Uh, we made the joke last November that you're pretty much two long rides away from Unbound if you live in Canada, or like two mm. long outdoor rides. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, possibly. Joke, yeah, yeah, it depends how it goes. Uh, yeah, so I don't know where you want to go from there. The This idea that today we have a, a good question, I think, something about, you know, the, the season ending, that's where we're sort of talking around here is seasons can end positively. You know, you won the overall race, you beat all the men, it was really good. Uh, you know, your race went very smoothly, you didn't have any pain during it. So that's a great way to finish off the season. But that's not how a lot of seasons will end. We can't all win and beat everyone. That's not how things work. It's also not even how my last season ended. Right. Sure. Like I had a DNF at Hurricane last right. time. So this question is actually super like it's something that I, I am very familiar with, not mm -hmm. just the the bad race, but also the bad race being the final race of your season, I think is is really tough because it puts you in this position of feeling like the whole season then maybe didn't go the way you wanted it to. Even if like all 
you know, all the other races went well, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that final race can leave like that bad taste in your mouth. Or, you know, I was talking to a friend who had a really tough season this year. I know a few athletes who've, you know, it's crashes and concussions or just, you know, mechanicals, just bad race after bad race. Yep. Yep. Um, and you know, how do you, how do you look at that at the end of the season and still feel motivated, excited for next year and not just feel like, oh my gosh, this whole season was just. Like well, and there's probably two responses there, right? There's probably the give it all up and, you know, quit and, you know, get a day job. you know, take, at least take your recovery period, take your off season. And then maybe you never come back, I guess, if it was that bad or, or there's the alternate, which is almost as bad is, is the like, get back to work right now and no, take no recovery. You don't deserve it. You know, you finish this, you know, maybe someone lost to you in the 75 K and now they're back to the grindstone. They don't care about the hamstring injury. There's no recovery training in the cold weather. At least two of them. Uh, there's people like this. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so that's, that's sort of the response, right? And we want to talk through that. And there's probably as with most things, a, a middle ground there that, that we might do. So we do have a, a great listener question. Do you want to read that? We do have an ad read as well to do, but which, which order do you want to do these in? Well, I think before we get into the listener question, because it's such a good one, we should talk about our favorite uh, sponsor here, which is AG1, formerly known as Athletic Greens. I am realizing now that our backdrop that I painted uh, I might just love AG1 because they use this amazing dark green on their, mm. like the canister that you get when you get AG1. Um, so that's, that's just kind of an aside aesthetically. I really I guess that's enjoy true. them. This is the color of the canisters and the packages. Yeah. There you go. This is not sponsored. Yeah, this, this background <laughs> is not sponsored. Uh, we but however... it could be. anyway uh we've been using ag1 for oh my gosh going on two years now every day it is my like number one favorite thing Mm -hmm. uh kind of all in one supplement your probiotics prebiotics adaptogens vitamins minerals all the good stuff that you need none of the bad stuff you don't it's nsf certified for sport which means it definitely is exactly what it says it is on the label which i deeply appreciate as someone who you know cares about not just the testing as an athlete, but also, you know, just knowing how, how many supplements have a bunch of crap in them that Mm -hmm. isn't on the label. It's just really nice to. Yeah. And I definitely like it, you know, mostly when we're home, we can do our big veggie, you know, breakfasts and lunches and dinner. So there's lots coming in there. We're eating pretty well, but then it's definitely when we start traveling, uh, you know, into the winter or around the holidays or any of these things for races. Uh, it is nice to have those, especially the travel packs are really nice to to go. I always say they fit in nicely into your skinny jeans. If you wanted mm-hmm. to, uh, you probably shouldn't keep them in your pants, but uh, you could. I mean, you could. Yeah, definitely great for the holidays for sure. Especially if you know, you're going to be traveling a lot, a lot of family stuff going on. It's nice to just have that kind of daily nutritional insurance, if you will. Uh, and the cool thing is, you know, it is a subscription, but I will like kind of give the caveat, you can pause your membership and stuff. So even if you try it for a few months during the holidays, and then, you know, you're kind of back on the like super healthy eating train, you can pause the membership. So I think it's, it's absolutely worth doing, especially if you know, you have like a travel heavy season mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. life coming up. And that is sometimes the pushback of this is that, you know, a lot of the people we speak to are, are eating fairly well. And I think that's true for the most part, but there is a subset of, of, of clients that I have that, you know, do not like vegetables, like vegetables are not part of their diet. Fair enough. Um, and so this sometimes can be a good first step into better eating and, and more vegetables and, and just, you know, trying to get those micronutrients and all these adaptogens mm-hmm. and so forth in. Yeah. Pro tip also, uh, we have a little frother now and that thing is so good for just mixing it into the water like perfectly. 
So highly, highly recommend, you know, you can get them at like the dollar store at this That's point. Right. So good. And you're not big on using the shaker. So it, it is no, definitely nice. There's less of these glasses around with leftover exactly. athletic greens in exactly. it. So it's been nice. Anyway, uh, you can also, if you use our code, you get five free travel packs, a year supply of immune supporting vitamin D drops, which are also very tasty. And you get that at drinkag1.com backslash Molly H. Again, drinkag1.com backslash Molly H to receive your bonus of a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. So definitely check that out. We really appreciate it and highly, highly recommend it. All right. So yeah, we have this listener question from L. L writes. Okay. He's also using the letter L. It's not E-L-L-E to be clear. Uh, right. This is a short like semi, form for their name. Semi-anonymous. Or yeah. their anonymous name. You don't know. Yeah. Uh, so do you want to read, try and anonymize this, this blurb? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so first of all, they say, I've been listening to your podcast. Awesome stuff. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, they have an idea for the topic. Uh, they did an ultra a few weeks ago on the bike uh, after training since another ultra a few months prior. In the spring. Yeah. So this is a May race versus an October race. So the October race is the one that they're referring to, but they had done another big ultra earlier in the season. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so they did the 120 K version, uh, as hard as I worked, as fit as I was, the fact that it was going to rain seemed to cause some distress. I ended up with a DNF at 52 kilometers when my rear shock stopped working. And I have, after having two rear tire punctures, uh, so the topic that they'd love our thoughts on is, uh, mindset before and during and after an event, how to deal with the frustration of a DNF. Um, uh, I love, they mentioned they're choosing to avoid the word failure, A plus, uh, still processing the experience. Yeah, we went back and forth on this a little bit. And, and I, you always get grumpy at me because I'm more in the middle on stuff and, you know, tend to not celebrate uh, things too much and then also tend to try and not get too bummed about things. Uh, it's true. Yeah. By the time we like talked this out during a walk, I'd gone from like furious. Yeah. Being like, we're totally having a great chat to me being really angry with him because I was like, what do you mean my race sucks? So and what was getting you upset was that I said the challenge with six quote unquote successes. So you won this 75 K local race. And so you can easily say everything is great. I have nothing to learn. And this is obviously, or this is, uh, commonly what happens when we, when we do well at something, we don't reflect, there's no like hard, like, you know, you're standing on the side of the trail with your tires and you don't know how, you know, you didn't fix a flat and it's muddy and then you didn't win. So now you have to reflect this and try and bring this, you know, try and, you know, figure out how can you deal with your self-worth now that you, you obviously aren't the winner. Right. Whereas you crossed the line victorious and everyone said you were fantastic and you didn't really have any major hitches throughout the race. So it's hard to take away any points of improvement when you win. For sure. But I think, you know, what we kind of came to is like, A, there's always room for improvement kind of almost irregardless of how the race went. Mm -hmm. like I think Jim Walmsley would say that about UTMB, like. Uh, Keegan would say that about Leadville. Like it's, that's just how, especially when you're a professional, like that's part of the game is the ability to like look at a good race and still see improvements. But I think the real takeaway is like, it's very easy when you have a bad race to either beat yourself up or think about all of the things you could do differently and then feel really bad about it. But if you are already in the habit of the pre-race rundown of like, what did I do right? What did I, what, you know, what did I do wrong? Or what could I improve on? Whatever language you, you want to use that makes you feel okay about it. I know what you did wrong is sometimes like hard to, hard to say, I guess. Mm -hmm. For me, I'm like, I, I think I'm okay with it. I like to think so. Right. Not when you tell me what I did wrong. Right. When you tell me what I did wrong, you're a jerk, but 
Well, and it's not wrong. It's just, I, I tried to give you some scenarios and I said, you know, pretend there was another woman and she was running with you and you were, you kept coming into the, there's the one major aid station together. Like, is there anything in your aid station that could be done better? You know, could, cause we had talked about maybe having two or three packs versus you were refilling your packs. So there's just like a couple things where I was like, if there was someone who was like your shadow self, you were, you know, identical to you, but was just in and out of the aid station. Okay, to be clear, there basically was because you kept lying to me about someone being a minute behind me. Well, some so, would say, some would say she was there. But... I basically did the entire race, assuming that someone was coming up behind me. Sure. So again, we're trying to pull this out. But so yes, absolutely. So I guess where I was going with that is then, so when you do poorly, it's easy to be like, everything sucks and, and nothing went positive. It's also hard to find the positives in these things and things that you did well. Um, we're such binary people. You're right. Like, so a good race, we think everything went great and we're amazing. A bad race, everything went wrong and we suck. And the whole season sucked. And right. Cause it's like in this question, you know, it sounds like the first race went pretty well. I'm sure there was a bunch of stuff between May and October, whether that was just training or if there was events that went pretty well. Um, and then, yeah, sometimes with bike racing, like we, we, the reason we bike race is because there is a huge amount of randomness, mm -hmm. right? It, it, once it starts, you mentioned Keegan or, or some of these races where in the lifetime series, it's sort of like Keegan's winning this last year, every race. And so then it gets a little more boring because it's, you know, now everyone's racing for second or something. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's tough for someone who's winning too, because now you're, it's almost like a, you're, you're just going to win. Well, I was going to say, yeah, it's really like, if you think about it, if you knew going into every race that you were going to win that race, would you want to race? No. And I've had athletes in that. I mean, that's sort of, I've had that with, you know, going from elite down to masters. And then I always feel like I'm in the middle. If I go to elite, then I don't train enough. But then if I'm in masters, I'm like training too much. And you know, there's not, it's generally not as competitive. Uh, so it, it can be tricky as much as that sounds like, oh, poor you. Uh, really? it, it can be tricky. So all that to say in bike racing, they said that there's the saying like, oh, that's, that's bike racing, right? Like a lot of times racing. in bike racing, you're going to be standing on the side of the road with two flats and a broken bike. And, you know, you, you probably traveled a long way to get there and, you know, you fly back across the country with nothing to show for it. And, and it's going to cost you a bunch of money. And, and that is indeed bike racing or running, you know, ultra running. Like if you, probably half the time you end up having some GI issue or your body fails you because of just the impacts um you get lost often in these ultra races of any type you know whatever thing you're doing so there's so much like randomness that's even not entirely in your control bodies can decide that their knees hurt randomly for no apparent reason right. uh you can like the wrong branch can drop with a sign on it and you can get lost the weather, you know, it can rain and just like in Bromont, I have recalled many races, like we had a world cup there one year. And I think we, the one Jeff won, Kabush won, it's like the big Canadian moment was Kabush won this world cup and beat Julian Absalon. Um, but it was just a complete nuts. Like we had to run so much of the course. And I remember in that race, all the cables on my bike, this is when we had external cables, all the eyelets that hold the cables, like to the frame, just ripped the eyelets, just ripped out from like all the pressure from the mud be getting built up in these cables. So then it ripped all the eyelets off. So I had no shifting, like, because all the cables just like bunched into themselves, right, if you right. can visualize that. And so again, like, how do you even like, what should I have done differently? Like, you can't tighten rivets on these like old eyelets into carbon frames. Like it was just complete nuts, like gong show. 
uh, like the worst rain I can recall in an event, just nuts. Um, now the positive was Jeff won the world cup. So uh, Canadians can wave that flag for the rest of eternity. Forever, yeah. Uh, but all that to say, you know, could it, do you quit racing because, uh, you know, it rained a ton and you had this couple of mechanicals. I don't know. No, you, you don't <laughs> is, the, is the answer there. Yeah. So what do you do then as you come into the season, I guess, like, and you're, you're, you said last year you DNF, it wasn't a great finish to the year. Uh, as you say, like almost same month, same around the same yeah, date, pretty much the exact same. went into the off season with, so did you, you still took your rest week? Oh yeah. I mean, I was pretty wrecked after that. Like physically, like that was a rough race for me, although it was much more of a, like a life thing than the physical. There were just so many factors in that hurricane. Right. Um, yeah, that was. That was not a super pleasant one. And the problem with that one was like, it was hard to kind of look at it at the time and have a lot of like great takeaways. That one really needed a bit of like space from it to kind of look back and be like, okay, what, what could I actually have fixed here? And I mean, at the time I would have said the answer was not much. A lot of like life stuff was just happening. Not bad. Just, we had a lot going on. Um, but you know, hindsight a couple months later, you could be like, okay, well, camping before that race was probably not the smartest idea. We should have just like, you know, splurged on a hotel. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's something that I'm correct. You know, I've already corrected for next year. Like Leadville is still 290 days away and I've already booked the hotel so that we're not in the van the night before. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's, it's one of those ones uh, that's actually a great example of the camping. Cause some people might be saying, Oh, I've camped before lots of my big races. And that might be the challenge that you're going for, but you have pretty bold goals with Leadville. So you do want to look at what are the people who are doing the thing that you want to do? What are they doing? And are you doing that thing? So this could be like the, the guy who beat me in the running race this past week, he doesn't have a pack on I'm running with a pack. And so you're like, okay, well, how does this work? Why is he running? You know, and then some people, uh, I'm just trying to think of other examples. Like they just, the clothing people might wear. So we talk about leg warmers, you know, on a ride. And a lot of times, like the people that win the race aren't wearing leg warmers. So if you have like a massive wind coat on and, and you're wearing leg warmers and then you're like, well, I, I should have won. I, I, what is the thing that people say on the Instagram? Like I hoped for better or something. It's like, well, why did you hope for better? You've never done that. <laughs> right. So your expectations are really weird, but you're also not, there's a lot of things that you're not doing that the people that you, you are looking at doing. So if, in your case, it's like those people are probably staying in a hotel, probably have support. So you have to start thinking if that's the goal, then I need to get to that. Now that's not everyone, but the, the camping piece I thought was interesting because camping, then maybe your sleep isn't as good. If it rains again, randomly, you might get the best weather ever. And it's great camping. You sleep like a baby and then you have a great race. But if it's raining, like it is outside right now, or like the two or three years ago, when we went to my national championships and it rained horribly for three days while we camped before my biggest race of the year. And then I crashed viciously busted ribs and concussed myself. Uh, refused to admit that you were hurt at all. This is where that complex system of had we stayed in a hotel, even though we had life, so like we were selling uh, our house, we were you you were getting your citizenship. So it was just like a lot of big life events that came in that week randomly beforehand. We had no idea when these things were going to close and actually happen. It just sort of occurred. Had we stayed in a hotel, you wonder if like there would have been more slack in the system to absorb that. We literally had to drive into town to get cell reception to sign papers mm -hmm. to sell our condo like at 8 p.m the night before the race right and again there's not a lot you can do about it and sometimes that's the way but then you wonder like if you were at a nice hotel maybe you would have had wi-fi and then there's the drive and you're not as stressed perhaps who knows it could have been all the same there's um, also wasps i mean that, that's an uncontrollable right there uh so 
uh, all that to say, like this whole conversation really spiraled into talking about the controllables and the uncontrollables. And a lot of the time, I think we've kind of been on this trend lately where you talk about, you know, controlling what you can control and accepting the uncontrollables. And what we were sort of talking about is a lot of the time the uncontrollables are like, yes, absolutely. Like weather is an uncontrollable. However, you know, what can you do to mitigate these uncontrollables, I think is this question that we we tend to not really think about. So it's like, okay, if you list out what were all of the uncontrollables in that race, uh, you know, in the in the case of this question, it was talking about the weather, like we were worried about the rain. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what are some of the controllable things we can do around a race that's potentially going to be rainy? Yeah, well, so the camping, if that was a factor, I don't know that it, I don't think it was in this not case. Um if you go to Quebec, number one, it's going to rain going to the rain. night before the most amount of rain you've ever seen, period. Like It that, will stop for your race then. It'll, it'll probably be okay. And this is what I usually tell when we're with young athletes. I'm like, in most cases, it's okay. And when it wasn't, Jeff won the World Cup. So, so it was okay for Canada. Uh, the one time it wasn't okay. Most of the time it's okay, but it does get muddy in these areas. And, and you can probably, whatever area you're in, there's certain trends there that it, it's rocky. It, it is often wet and slippery, if not also raining. Uh, that's just the nature of the, the the spot. So I would say what comes to mind is in the, the year beforehand or the next year, this fall even, is riding in the rain and figuring out places you can ride in mud or snow or slippery stuff. Sand would be included in this. Uh, tires are obviously a big thing because there's a flat there. So then I would say if you're not running inserts and tubeless tires with sealant that's been put you know, fresh, these are obvious things that are controllable. But again, you get away with it a lot of times. And this is the thing I just had a client who was down at a race, a gravel race, and realized, you know, they didn't have hadn't checked their sealant in months. And, and sometimes it's thinking about the environment and the person. And, and I was like, I, I think you just run it. Like you're the day before, like you run, you run, what is my saying? You, you, run, run, what you brung. run what you brung. Uh, but I think if this was like a rocky situation and, and if you're really good with mechanics, like I think that's the other thing. If you're like a mechanic and you know how to like flip tires off and put them back on and, and you do this every day of your life, like it's sure. the downside risk isn't as big there. So you, when you said rocky situation, I really thought you meant like, da -na -na -na. Oh, I thought I guess that could mean a lot of different things like dicey and then yeah also just rocky like it was a rocky situation uh so yeah so I guess where I'm going with that then is you know you want to put yourself in a good position now and this is our actions then is figuring out tires figuring out sealant figuring out um inserts like there's so much in tires and and so I said sealant inserts uh better tires like in Ontario we're very like fast tires XC tires when you're going to these other places that are rocky, this is like our Transylvania Epic, TSC, uh, anything like East Coast rocks, like it, it's the hashtag, literally, uh, going to the West Coast, like you want to figure out what tires people run there for that race. And that's a little bit of learning. Big Sugar, again, is the gravel race just happened, very flat prone. So you want to do some investigation, especially if you're a harsh rider who's going to flat a lot. Uh, and then plugs, tire plugs are again, this says like two flats. Usually when people say they have two flats or three flats, it means they tried to inflate the tire and they didn't really try and fix the flat. Uh, this person may have put a tube in. I don't know. To me, that's what fixing a, a flat means that you've put a tube in. Uh, if you use a plug or the sealant just fixes the flat, that's not the same as getting a flat. You've had a flat seal. Uh, but that's the idea now is that with between inserts, sealant and plugs, a lot of times we don't actually have to put we don't actually have to quote unquote fix a flat. Right. So that would be something to take action on. 
we've and gotten a far from your your positioning though like you want to put yourself in a better position for these variable things so is there anything else that you can think about hotels what else do we have well, I was just going to say, this is all like really good stuff to do in the few weeks after the race, rather than waiting till like next year when you're like getting ready for the race and trying to remember all of the stuff. Uh, because I do think we were prone to kind of forgetting about. Well, you don't have time. Like, a lot of like I, I think yeah. now is the time to figure out all of these things. Like it, when it gets icy and it's now raining and, and it's the fall, I would, even if they're your old tires, like either figure out inserts or sealant or using plugs or, you know, whatever, and then go out and practice using tire pressure in muddy conditions to thrive better or testing tires in muddy conditions. This is really the name of the game now is figuring out like, what are the tires? And, and you might have to do some research to see like the people that won that race, what tires were they running? Mm -hmm. um, because there's definitely like tires are a big factor uh, in, in succeeding in the mud. It's not everything, but that's a big piece. Uh, lubricant would be another thing. Like just being prepared to your point that you can't control the rain, but you can control your clothing and the the equipment you use in those races. Well, and it's great. We actually have a, a mental consultant kind of coming on to talk about a lot of this stuff in a couple of weeks here, Pat Spencer, uh, who's just awesome. And it's funny, she was at, we actually talked through a recent DNF she had and hers was more physical. She had like a bad, a bad, like cramps in her legs and it was actually really interesting because I think even within the podcast we sort of talked through this and it went from you know there's sort of this uncontrollable element of your legs cramping to then kind of backing it off and being like okay they might have been uncontrollable it might have been that they were just gonna like your legs were gonna cramp no matter what but there was also a lot of stuff like you know as far as her eating and drinking went and as far as her race prep went she had you know been riding in new jersey very flat and suddenly she's out doing this very altitude heavy mm. uh up down lot of climbing race yeah so like no surprise sure. her legs cramp and it was like she completely like takes ownership of that and i think that's fantastic but i think that that was such a good example of even like the body thing you could say like oh yeah my legs cramped and like that's that's uncontrollable is it really though yeah, I mean, that sounds like, yeah, there's definitely like a hill element there that could be added to training. And Which is definitely true of myself as well. I'm not going to lie. Mm -hmm. And again, do you get away with it? This is the thing. Some people will get away with not having that, you know, they don't have severe cramps and maybe again, maybe the, they get lucky and the, you know, their fitness was high enough or the, the, a lot of times it, the randomness comes from, you know, there wasn't people who were better than you at the race potentially. Right. Yeah. Um, and so then is that a success or is like, cause again, the, the environment's just different. It's, you know, if you go and someone's really pushing you and you cramp, then, okay, well that's, it's not that you're a failure. It's that that was a very hard race and you hit your limit because it was a demanding race. But if that person hadn't been there and you were able to ride this, you know, Pat was able to ride a little easier or is it ride, ride, ride yeah. um, then, then they might've not cramped. And then Which she, is... she might've won or been second or whatever winning is, whatever success is for her. Right. But it, it is that, like that scenario where it's like, oh, I got into a really f good battle with someone. And then it's, yeah, you just went over that limit. Yeah. Which I mean, is certainly like the case for me at the 75 K, like I was able to, you know, run sort of within myself and yes, I still have some hamstring issues from that, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I didn't really have to like push super hard on anything. So that was, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. There's, you know, a lot there. I wouldn't beat yourself up, but it's it's just looking at like, was there anything controllable? So again, looking at the tires, like have you, were they fresh tires or the things like that you could do. And then when we look at the conditions, it's very common that people come from a dry area. You know, they come from just the, this, this listener comes from an area that's, you know, very 
uh, rain stable. It's sandy terrain. So there isn't really a lot of mud. You can ride in a lot of conditions. Well, and it is tricky because, I mean, here in Ontario, right, it's, you're not supposed to ride when the trails are muddy. So I think that or, actually... or it's sandy and it's not muddy when it's rainy. Yeah, yeah. so I think yeah. that's actually a huge issue. And that's just a, a matter of like doing more races. Like that's just going to be an experience thing because you can't necessarily train for it as well because you, you're not supposed to ride on muddy trails. I don't, I don't think so. Some of these things, though, you know, the, the, the being nervous about rain so that you know, you can ride in the rain on gravel path and true, true. and even in this this area. Like if you don't go out in the rain, then you don't know what the clothing's like in the rain and you don't work on your mood in the rain and mm -hmm. you don't work on like even lubricant, like the, the lube that will stay on your chain. It sounds like a small thing, but in these long races, like it's a pretty critical thing. And that may involve even carrying lube. Like there's just all these little pieces and tricks that you learn along the way. I, I remember doing mud races in uh, out west, like in Edmonton and in these clay-based areas. And where else do they do this? Where else is the the stick? Oh, like Unbound has like the painter's stick. So, you know, when it gets muddy at Unbound, the 200 mile gravel race, everyone starts riding with these painter's sticks, you know, right, like the stir right. stick for the paint things to, to scrape the mud out. But you don't, you know, now people know because of the internet, but until you get out there and you've done it, you know, you sort of have to do it a couple of times and, and get yourself through it to, because even the mud is different there. Yeah. yeah. So it's experience, right? I think is what I'm coming at. And, and this is where sometimes I, I, this is our complete before you compete is that if you're really beating yourself up and you've never done a muddy race in Quebec, well, there you go. You got, what was it? 52 kilometers yeah. through. So next time you can do a little better. You, lots of things we're talking through here that, that might get you further into the race. Yeah. Yeah. I've lost where I was going to go with that. Yeah, You had an idea and I'm sorry. I kept going. Um, well, we we're talking about uncontrollables. We were talking about trying to armor yourself a little bit. Um, when I'm thinking about the end of the season, again, a lot of seasons, as you do more seasons, you know, just by nature of do, being around longer and having experience, not all these experiences are going to be positive. We know this, right? Yeah, like yeah. not everything, you know, if we look at any of our favorite people, I, I, I use the example of Matthew Vanderpool, great cyclist. And, and what do you think about when you think about Vanderpool? You think about him dominating the whole field, sprinting away. I think about him being arrested in an Australian hotel. So there's, you might think about that. You might think about him crashing at the Olympics because he thought there was a ramp on the drop. Uh, or at world championships, just in a corner. Just this past year on a off camber sort of gravel corner that everyone was just riding around <laughs> patiently. So the thing is, you know, we all make mistakes. We all have bad days. We all have, you know, just you know, you could call them bonehead, you know, like I just crashed into this random thing, right? It just didn't go super well. Um, sometimes there's things to fix. Sometimes, you know, you just go on to the next one, right? Recover and, and carry on. And what's next? Um, well, like I said in the beginning, if everyone just had a perfect season every year, there wouldn't really be a point to racing. Like part of like the fun part of racing is the puzzle. Of like, how can I get better? How can I get better? How can I get better? <laughs> so and then also that challenge, I guess, too, right? Like you could also only do local races and, and only, you know, cherry pick ones that you're going to win. But again, this is sort of like a really defensive, weird way of going about racing, right? You, sure. you want to go to these big things like this race that this person did is a bigger race. Yeah. So the one thing I really like at the end of the season, you know, we talk all different kinds of goal setting things. One that I really like is the good, better, best list. So you start with good. So it was, what did I do well this season? Like what went well this season? So pick a couple of things, you know, whether it's, you know, this time, like, okay, yeah, you had the flats and the rear shock and everything, but maybe you fueled really well and you actually were feeling physically really good mm -hmm. at 50 K. Mm -hmm. So what were a couple of, and it, not just that race, like think whole season, uh, you can do this for each race too, but if we're thinking seasonally, like what went really well, uh, don't just say like this race, like go specifics, 
then better is what could you like what could have gone better so you know could have you know, had the different tires so i wouldn't have flatted uh, and then best is what can you do now to get to your best? So you're looking at the the better section and kind of setting your, your process goals around that. Mm. So that's a really simple one that I've used with, you know, I usually use it with younger girls when I'm doing like shred girls talks and stuff. But honestly, I think most adults would probably benefit from it too, because it's just a very simple way to kind of think through. Mm-hmm. And do you think that's for like a, a single race or for like a season or for but- both? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, goal would be to do it every race and then at the end of your season, like look back through all of them mm-hmm. and you'd probably start catching like, Oh, huh. This, this is still kind of like, this is a could get better thing every single race or like, Oh, I'm really good at this thing. Sure. And I do like that the paper journal, uh, especially when people are newer, but I think, you know, it'd probably be good practice to keep doing it, but that journal where it's like, you know, you go to this X race in May and you go again next year. And then you can look back at the tires you ran, the mistakes you made. And I, I always say like, when I look back at some of the, this could be in training peaks, honestly too, but I do think the paper journal is nice and you could have Molly's little journaling prompts. When I look back at some of the, especially Quebec races, just like, I'm such a bonehead, like just the same mistakes, like, and, and some of it's around tires and some of it's just, you know, suspension setup. Some of it's like, you haven't ridden on rocky terrain enough, and it's just, you know, why could I not ever get on top of that, right? And then some of that reflects, it's very hard, very hard to have behavior change. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's also the fact that like, not every, there's just no way to be, unless you're like Courtney DeWalter, a racer who is suited for every race course, right? Mm. Like you have what you have around you to train and like, yes, you can get better, but like, you know, right now I'm training for Leadville we are not in a location that is really suited for Leadville. Like I'm going to do the best I can mm-hmm. to be good at mm-hmm. it. But like, I mean, it's not at altitude and, and we don't have massive bounds. I think it's an okay area as far as Ontario goes for it. We're for in sure. a we're good place for that. But yeah, yeah, that's, that's it. You are, you have what you have to work with and then you're trying to optimize that as best you can. And yeah. And I said, you know, some of these things too, is, you know, if that's the race, if this race is like, you are going back next year, uh, in the fall to this race and you are going to beat it rain or shine, then this, what I like about this is now when we start planning these two years goals or, you know, over the next season, hopefully this is motivating training. That's fun. Cause hopefully there's a little bit of fun in this. So this might be more trips to Quebec over the, the summer, right? Just for even fun riding, but more time on rocks, it'll guaranteed rain every single night. And then you'll have to get nervous about that and then go out and see what it's all about. But you can then practice riding the day after the rain every day, because it's going to rain every night. Uh, and then you'll get used to it. It won't be, you won't be as stressed at night going to bed. You're going to see what this, the, the soil is like when it's wet, when it's, you know, and you'll see that it dries pretty well. You'll get to learn what the rocks look like when they're dicey or when they're like, you can actually just let it go on the rocks. And so this is now you're putting you, the animal in the environment mm-hmm. and you're living there. And then hopefully this is fun. This is like just fun trips over the summer. And I would encourage a bunch of these not to be events or, or any pressure, just little training camps for a weekend, or if you can go for a week, that's awesome too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, QSC, the race we did this past year was great in that way as well, right? You get to ride, it rained most days and, and we had a great ride every day. I don't think we ever rode in the rain and most days it actually was pretty good surface. So you're just learning about that environment. Yeah. And I mean, I will say like, we went to Leadville in June, so I could like do the trail marathon to qualify for the hundred, but all like specifically that one as the qualifier, rather than going to any of the other qualifiers or doing the lottery, because I wanted to know 
can I race mm-hmm. with these climbs at this altitude? Can I like actually do it? Yeah. And it's interesting. There's this one we didn't spend a lot of time in Leadville, which I think is good. Like the research actually shows that you want to be careful with camps and altitude camps being at a race venue because there's a lot of nerves and like weird things that athletes do. So I will say if this person was thinking of going, they could go to the area in Quebec that this is, but they could also go to a lot of other areas. Right. There's lots of riding. And I'd almost say to go to a different, like it doesn't have to be so specific because it will rain in everywhere in Quebec. Um, but, Apologies, Quebec, but like this really is our experience. I mean, but it'll be fine most of the time. I'm resisting making a Jeff Kabush <laughs> reference. Uh, but there's going to be rocks and there's going to be wetness and there's going to be fun no matter where you go. So I, I would mix it up a little bit just so you don't get too in your head. Like if you had a bad day or if you like, you know, if you have a great day and then it's different on race day, right? Sometimes just athletes have yeah. like weird hangups about the race site. There's a weird stress there. For sure. Um, and, and you could go, you could go and, and do it and, and just make sure you don't just try and pre-ride the course, like have fun. There's a lot of trails in this area that they're talking about as well. Um, I had one other thought. Where are you on this topic of of end of season, good or bad? I mean, I think the the like only other point I have is really just celebrating something about the season. Um, you know, kind of trying to find anything, even if you've had a really bad season. Like, you know, a lot of the racers I know that had kind of crappy seasons, whether like I say injury or crashing or mechanicals or whatever. Uh, you know, I think they're still kind of finding things they can celebrate, whether it's the mental toughness of continuing to race or, you know, one, one girl I talked to was actually super proud of that. She actually did the concussion protocol when she hit her head. Mm. Like she didn't just try to like come right back. She actually took like the month of time Mm -hmm. to do everything right. And she was actually super proud of that. So I think celebrating some kind of win at the end of the season, this is something I'm actually terrible at. Like last week, you know, won my last race of the season, had a book come out. Like, I didn't even remember to tell your parents about either of those things. Like you had to tell them for me because I'm just already on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. I was busy cutting my vinyl. Yeah. And so I think you don't want to necessarily disrupt the plan uh, and there should be a plan. uh, And that plan might be to take off time until there is a plan which I, I was just telling you, like I was getting, I, usually what happens for me is I'm sort of like burnt a little bit and tired from whatever the last thing is. So then I'll take, finally take the rest week. But then usually towards the end of the rest week, I get super amped and I'm like, all oh, the volume, I'm going to start training super hard. And I told you, like, I was like basically making my plan. And then I was like, I don't even really know why I'm pre- <laughs> <laughs> what the event is I'm getting ready for. So I need to back up and be like, what is the thing I'm preparing for? Uh, so that there's context. And again, that timeline, there's no sense in doing like 30 hours now to try and, you know, if I was mad at myself about the last race, which I'm not, but in this case of this question we're dealing with to just start slamming out big hours, whatever that is for you are hard, you know, you get on the trainer and just start in November. It's not even November. It's October when we're doing this, just slamming out Zwift races in October because you, you you don't deserve a recovery period or you need to get ready for next October. And it's like, well, no, you're not going to make it to October. You're going to be burnt out in January. So it's it's just, just like, Give yourself, like, stick to the plan. If the plan was to take a rest period after the A race, even if the A race doesn't, you know, you only do half the A race, you still deserve and need this recovery time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of the time we take a bad race and we turn it into a, a big, like, makeover montage moment in our heads. Like, 
this like it's gonna be different like i'm starting today and that's mm-hmm. like what you were just saying about 30 hours of like back to base like, right right like no 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 pause if you have any desire to change the plan just like take a couple of days take a beat take a breath like sure and i mean record the things like again the tires like i think for everyone this isn't picking on this person i think we're in a time of great change in tire technology oh my god that was so dramatic uh, this is important <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna this is our pull quote for the episode. <laughs> Uh, so I do think that like a lot of us need to look at the tires we're using as this is all developing. And again, how do inserts fit in? Do have I ever used tire plugs? Am, is the sealant? Do I have any? Do I know how to change tires? This is a no That's for a, a lot of people. One, and, and when I say change tires, not like yes, you don't put a tube in that often anymore. But you need to put sealant in, and you need to switch your tires for the conditions. And if you don't know how to do it, like start now. Like this is what you can do in your off week is figure out tubeless tires. Yeah, absolutely. I was gonna say, yeah, it's funny. Like I can change a tire with tubes, no problem. But you're right. Like if I was on the side of the road with like a tubeless, I would actually be in a like i well i go immediately to tubing it like i would have like, yeah zero. which is fine that's yeah. still a great option and it's not that much different but if you're not if you haven't done it now you might not do it because you've never done it <laughs> you should do it so that you will do it can plug it that's a lot faster yeah for sure for sure it'll help you get through and that's that's the time we're in but it, it is like figuring out because it is it's getting a bit more complicated but also less complicated but you want to have enough tools and options to survive, right? That's really when we're talking about this ultra racing, you're trying to be self-sufficient. And I really like, you know, when clients start figuring out and solving these problems and there's lots of ways, like you can take, I would say hockey shin tape and you can like wrap it around the tire uh, and, and survive and get yourself out, right? There's different neat ways you can plug using, you know, like garbage bags and just like use your Allen key to plug it into the hole and then it, it'll help seal it. There's lots of ways to get yourself out of the forest. And this is really like, if you're into ultra and these adventures uh, ranging from bike packing to, you know, just a three hour mountain bike or gravel race or something, this is the stuff that should get you, you know, really excited and sort of looking into how can I armor myself to get through this race and persist and endure uh through this race right yeah yeah okay last thing before we go is well i have one other thing okay my last thing is sort of on the back of that is the not signing up immediately for oh a race like next week to like make up for right you're sticking to the plan yeah so keeping yes keeping with the stick to the plan but i think the tendency is like you sign up for the race like that's two weeks away because like you can get revenge on the course or whatever or you know finish your season just it's done it's fine everything's great um and also races the next season i think like when you're in kind of an emotion emotionally vulnerable place of having had a bad race and like feeling bad about your season i think it's really easy to make decisions for next season that aren't really the best for you or your family and we talk often about the race schedule and you know making sure that it fits with your family stuff and your work stuff and I would bet you that after bad races is really the time where people kind of sign up willy-nilly for big races the next year that are like right when like the work conference is or like, mm. you know, on the heels of family vacation or whatever. Sure, sure. And that probably is where, you know, take the rest week to decompress, like do this reflection we're talking about. What did you say? Good, better, best. Um, you know, what are some takeaways? What did you do really well? Make sure you have gratitude, reflect on the whole season. You know, the May race went great. You probably had a great summer in between. You felt really fit. Those are all great positives. There's probably some positives. You got to the start line, not injured. We always say that's a great success. If you can get motivated to the start line, you know, all good, not stressed, uh, on time, 
functioning bike. The functioning bike's a bit of a question mark here, but uh, you know, pretty good, pretty good. That's that's pretty good. Um, where was I going from there? I don't know, you had one final point. Oh, okay. Well, I'm trying to think if I finish this one here, where I think we're leaving this one hanging. I think you are. Okay. Oh, geez. Uh, but yeah, just move. Oh, sorry. And then you're gonna take the rest week. And, and maybe an extra week after that. And that's where I'm at now. I'm going to take another week, even though I think I'm like ready to do the big, massive base. I'm going to, I'm still moving. I'm still going to ride a little bit. He's being so dramatic. It was like 7 a.m. and he's got the treadmill going. It's on like an incline. I can hear him breathing upstairs. Yeah, super casual. Well, I mean, you, you're allowed to walk. You got, and you got to test a lot of this off period, this preparation period or transition period, whatever you want to call it is to get the gear working. So again, this person's going to have to send their bike back. It sounds like to get serviced. So there's a whole bunch. That's probably a month. Uh, and then it's, yeah, nothing has batteries that work anymore. Apparently you got to find the batteries and, you know, send stuff for warranty and recharge it and get it serviced. And, you know, all the drivetrains are going to have to get done. So there's a lot to do in this off period. So I think that's the other thing is give yourself some space. And then in a week or two weeks or three weeks or four weeks, you're going to be much clearer headed everything will seem positive. You're going to be motivated. And then you can make a great decision, as you say, about the season. You can start planning what fits with the family, with your work schedule. And I think that dovetails into my last point is that you also want to reflect on like, is this something I need to compete? It's almost like game theory, like you can compete or you cannot compete. And sometimes, especially if you've tried something a bunch and you don't enjoy it, or you're just not great at it, and it results in like a big bummer afterwards, um, you may want to reflect on whether you need to do that thing. And so that might be, you know, teachers racing in October, you know, you've just, uh, September and October tends to be busy if you're a teacher or if you're a university student. Uh, I'm thinking of like my accountants who try and race spring classics and they like, they've been not, they've been working hundred hour weeks April and then, and then it's like, yeah, day. April, you know, and then you're like, yeah, it's like, you're still doing, working all through this. And then it's like, you haven't trained for a month and you haven't slept and then you know, into the spring classic. And that's how you're going to determine your worth for the season. It just is a bad way to set up the season. So if you've been beating your head against one of these like dates or types of races or times of year, like just reflect. I, I did similar where it's just like, I'll, I'll maybe jump into the odd fall bike race, but I just don't like being cold. And it's just, you know, so cyclocross, I've already found my wife in cyclocross. I can stop racing it. So it's just, you just don't compete. Right. And I look at someone like Nino Scherter, like he races a bunch, I'm sure, but most of his things are world cup mountain bike races and that's, he's the best at it. And so sometimes we look at these examples of people that are racing all the time, but you don't have to, you can really, you know, especially after you've done a bunch of stuff and you find the thing you like, the people you like, the time of year you like to ride your bike. And then you have the discipline to say, it's the fall. You know, I'm going to go on a hike. I'm going to take some time off. I'm going to ride my bike for fun. And you can still go to Quebec, like we talked about and do a big fun mountain bike trip in October, but you don't have to race. So I think that's the only other thing as we're doing this postseason reflection, if there's things that are just like a bummer, weren't convenient, really frustrating, not enjoyable, uh, you know, you've tried a few times and just didn't work out, then just don't compete. <laughs> it's fine. Right. Like this is our thing. Like you can only do so much. This is FOMO, right? Like there's only so much we can, we can take on in our lives mm -hmm. and it's okay to pivot. It might not be bike racing anymore. Right. Yeah. It, you might be like Molly and, and do more running. Now it might be strength training, whatever. Like we have a couple clients who've done BJJ, 
our friend Chris Mayhew into CrossFit uh, and now into firefighting. Uh, I'm trying to think of other people who have done like it just the phases of life evolve. Right. And so this is okay too. All right. Well, with that, let's, let's wrap it up. Definitely let us know if you have any other end of season questions, goal setting stuff. We are heading into that time of year, which is always very fun for me. Um, yeah, hit us up over at consummateathlete.com or at consummateathlete on Instagram, and we will see you next week. Thanks for watching. Thanks so much for tuning into the consummate athlete podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox. 